And I eat seaweed on my pizza. I'm Andrew, and I'd know his style anywhere. And, and you're, you're watching. watching. Where it's like we're on two wheels, standing, leaning forward, because what a segue. <laughs> yep. What movie this are we week. doing this week? <laughs> we're doing Read It and Weep. Woo! The movie of my childhood. This is So we talked about this on a previous episode when we talked about Get a Clue, where we've done a couple of the movies that are at the mm-hmm. top of my list. Yes. It seems like you would consider this at the top of your list of like decoms that you remember, have fond memories of. Yes. I would say this is probably towards the top, if not my number one. I I would say it's my number one less mainstream movie because you you have your High School Musical and your Cheetah Girls and all that stuff. But I think this one for me was one that I just really connected to and resonated with. And yeah. was sh- surely had, you know, its its share of viewers back then, but is not one that is super regularly referred to in, in present day. Uh, you know, no pressure or anything, but I'm pretty sure that this movie shaped my career trajectory in certain ways. So really, uh, really hoping it, it holds, up. holds up. From the comments I've heard you make, I'm doubting that it does, but, you know... Gotta have high, high hopes for a living, as as Panic at the Disco has been known to say. So here we are. There's one fact in here that blew my mind, and I'm really curious to know if it's gonna, if you already know this, or if it's gonna blow your mind as well. Okay. So let's just jump into it. Let's just do it. So uh, let's just start here. What do you What do you know about this movie? What do you remember about this movie? Tell me about it. Yeah. Um. So, I know that it stars the Panabaker sisters, Kay and Danielle. Mm. I can picture the face of the rom- the blonde romantic interest and of the popular guy that she likes at first as well. And I can't think of as soon as I hear the blonde guy's name, I'm going to I'm going to remember. I know he was also in Hatching Pete and a bunch of other movies. But basically, Kay Panabaker's character, and I can't remember her name, has this diary that she keeps on like a tablet, or maybe just her computer, but she she draws pictures with this stylus, and it's this, it's her diary, but it's fictionalized, and so she writes about the popular girls really mean, or as like these kind of villain characters, and writes about herself yeah. as this heroic, I think the character's name is Is, I want to say it's it's is and that character is played by her by Kay Panabaker's older sister Danielle who is this very confident very just um kind of I think super heroic like she can snap her fingers and the popular the mean popular girls disappear and yeah so she's got this really robust fictional diary thing that she's she's got going there's a writing contest at school and I, I swear, by the way, just pausing here, I have not seen this movie in probably 10 years, like have not touched it, but I just loved it so much that I feel like, I feel like I'm on point with, with 
with my my remembering it but maybe I'm, I'm not there's a writing contest at the school she's having a conversation and doing two things at once and instead of submitting her typical like essay that would be boring she drags the file that is her diary into her email and so it accidentally gets submitted for this writing contest and it wins and the diary gets published and there's dramatic fallout because she gets this publicity she becomes very popular in certain ways but very exposed in other ways she gets some attention from the popular guy that she kind of has a crush on and so the guy the best friend guy is kind of left in the dust and she starts blowing off her friends and she works at a pizza parlor I believe or maybe the friend does I know there's a pizza parlor that is kind of a water and coal situation and I don't really remember how it resolves itself, but that is like the the baseline premise of it. I also, we've talked about this in past episodes, I know. Um, Jordan Pruitt has a song on the album called Outside Looking In, and I've been singing it to myself for days leading up to recording this episode because I love it. And I remember being, being pre-adolescent me just feeling very, you know, downtrodden and my life was so hard. It wasn't, but you know, feeling very, very left out. And so this was, it was my song. So that's what I got for you. And oh, and the connection to me personally is that I was a like, I started writing my first quote unquote novel when I was nine. I believe that I was 11 when this movie came out. I'm sure we'll talk about when it came out later. But I started writing my first novel when I was nine and have always been a word nerd, always loved writing. And to this day, like, I mean, writing is always just a a part of my life and I don't do a lot of fictional writing but I think I think that this movie kind of instilled not only the I mean it kind of reinforced the love of writing but it also kind of fueled this fire and secret dream of like getting accidentally published or getting surprisingly published or ah, getting discovered yeah. um so that's kind of where that connection comes from from the career side it doesn't actually impact me that much I was being dramatic but I did love I loved writing before it and it definitely did not hurt definitely uh if anything kind of fueled that fire so that is my long explanation of what I remember what I think I remember and how it connects no that was great I think this is gonna be uh, a pretty short uh opening because you have at least touched on most of the questions I have I'm glad (laughs) that I have a couple of other segments here um (laughs) I've also realized, I think this is, I don't know if this is the first time, but it's at least one of the first times that it's been me preparing for an episode for a movie that I, I kind of remember that it existed, but I definitely didn't uh, like have a real connection with it. Okay. And so I tried to prepare for this still without watching any of it, most of it, right? Um, So if... I've I think I may have made a couple of assumptions and questions, so you can you can tell me if any of these things are wrong. Okay. Um, probably better than I will. So maybe you're gonna be end up quizzing me. <laughs> but we'll start out here. So what year do you think this movie is? My guess was two thousand six. That is correct. Okay. Nice, easy. Um, Check. Where was this movie filmed? Oh my gosh. I'm trying to think of a more reasonable suggestion, but the first 
answer that came to my brain was Toronto. So that's what we're going to go Ooh, with. It's a good guess. Um, let me give you a hint. It is a location where other DCOMs were also filmed. Oh, um, how about Utah? It is Utah. There it is. It's Murray High School. Okay. Which is, yes, where High School Musical was filmed. Other movies, I believe Zombies was also filmed there. The home of so much great art, man. And speaking of other DCOMs, if I said the name Paul Hone to you, would that mean anything to you? Oh, it would. I'm starting to get... I'm starting to get confused because there's so many. Did he direct? He did. Is he? This the same guy that's directed almost every, not almost every, yeah. but a lot of the movies that we've watched. Okay, so yeah. I think he directed Zombies and Jump In and Look at the Irish. Correct. Yep. Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff, I think. Yes, there are two or three more that I have on my list, but I don't have his whole. Okay. Um. I mean, then I'm gonna guess Brink. Probably no, no. I can't no. think of what what your list is. So I'm there I'm aren't kind of there at a loss. there are not movies that we have seen or mm-hmm. even talked about. I think in okay. the context of this podcast. Okay. So it's Zombies Two, oh, Camp sure. Rock Two, mm. Cheetah Girls One World. Now I remember. Yep. That was the one that we had talked about. And uh, You Wish and True Confessions. You wish we have to do that one soon. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love it so much. Okay. Um. So this is actually this movie is based on a novel. Oh my gosh, that makes sense. It's based on a novel called How My Private Personal Journal Became a Bestseller. <laughs> yes, this is all coming. It's all coming back to me now. I and there is this. a full like Wikipedia page on the differences between the movie and the book. Stop. Um, most of them, I'm, I have not included any of them because most of them honestly are like, uh, this character is described as having brown hair, but in the movie, she's blonde. <laughs> oh my gosh, somebody was very into both this book and this movie. Yeah. I never read that book. I mean, and I didn't remember, so that's probably not a surprise, but I would have, like, that is something that I would have done. If I had been uh, well-versed enough in, you know, in things like making Wikipedia pages, that is totally something that I would have done in 2006. Well, now you have something to do. I know. You know to read. Yeah, now I can add that novel to the... Just bump that one to the top of my list, up above the rest of the Harry Potter books, up above my mystery novel, my dystopian novel I've got coming up. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is the better one. How my private personal journal became a bestseller. How, from, just from a title perspective, I'm... I how know. How was that? Okay. All right. So, our main character, mm-hmm. you said you couldn't remember her name. I kind of feel like it's Isabella because the because I do feel confident that the, the hero is is, but... Is is. Yeah. Okay. Well, here are the choices I'm going to give you. Okay. Is it A, Jamie, B, Alex, C, Peyton, or D, Suzanne? I can hear... Kay Panabaker saying Jamie in my head. So I'm going to go with A. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Last name Bartlett. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. So you mentioned that there's a popular girl, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what her name is? I got nothing. Nope. Definitely not. All right. So I will tell you that in the in the story that she creates, right? Mm-hmm. The, the character's name is Myrna. 
Oh, yeah. Which, I what a name. That. Myrna. Um, but the real, the real person in the context of the movie is named Annabelle Andrews, Peyton Porter, Sawyer Sullivan, or Luna Lindsay. I'm going to go with, the first one was Annabelle Andrews. It was. Yeah, that one feels okay. That one feels right. Well, it may feel okay, but it's not correct. <laughs> Is it Peyton? It was, no, it's Sawyer Sullivan. Oh, you know what? I can picture her now. I got it now. It's in the brain. I think, so I think in my head I was picturing her best friend in my, like, in my brain. Mm. That's who I was seeing, and so none of the names felt right. And now that I remember who it is, I'm realizing that, she, like, aesthetically, she looks kind of similar to Danielle Panabaker, if I'm remembering correctly. And so I think my brain had, like, grouped them in my head, and so that's why I was confused. I get it now. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're good. That makes sense? Well, my, my bonus question for this is do you know the other character that she's probably more famous for portraying on a nickelodeon show oh my gosh is she on um oh my gosh drake and josh she is on drake and josh is she josh's on again off again girlfriend yeah yeah mindy yes okay what's funny what's actually incredibly funny i just discovered that drake and josh was on hulu and so i spent a couple oh, yeah. minutes of my day the other day watching the Game Sphere episode. There is nothing like that show and that episode and Josh's obsession with it being spherical. Like, I mean, that yeah, my enti- has followed sure. me in my entire life. Anytime sphere in any context is mentioned, brain goes straight back. And I'm, I'm back in that year and that time. Oh my gosh, so good. All right. So next question, there is a, a crush which you mentioned. Yep. The name of this crush, is it Ollie, Oxenfree, Marco, or Polo? (laughs) I'm sorry. Just to make sure. The four choices that I get. Correct. (laughs) And one of the choices individually is Oxenfree. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, okay, all right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Marco because that feels good to me. So it's actually oxen free. Oh bummer. My memory has failed me again. I thought maybe I would get you. I know. I'm very gullible. I thought maybe that sometimes. would be so far out that you would think maybe that was a real name. <laughs> um so what does she write her stories on? I think you already said this. Like a tablet. Yeah, that's correct. She has a little stylus um, and draws little pictures, and she's a very talented illustrator, actually. Mm, probably I'm part sure of part. Probably Daniel Panabaker did that. K, K Panabaker. K. Very confusing. No, I, I think Danielle Panabaker did it. Oh, you did! Wow. So she played the fictional character, but and did, the art did wow. Yeah, and that's not, quite like, a, a theory. Real team of, yeah. So you said. Yes, so Danielle Panabaker's character, is it mm-hmm. Fee, short for Fiona, Is, short for Isabel, Sam, short for Samantha, or We, and it's not short for anything. <laughs> what, wait, what was the last one? We. How do you spell that, please? W-E. 
no. <laughs> Can you imagine how confusing that would be to write that with the tense? Like, because that's a, that's a third person oh, plural. Yeah. Actually, it would be similar some of the time, but there would be times when you would have subject verb agreement. My linguistics major is showing the answer is is. Sorry. That's correct. You already said this too, but I guess I'll ask it anyway. How does the journal get out? Is it A, Jamie's brother publishes publishes it in an act of revenge? Ooh. B, Jamie accidentally turns it in as a school assignment and wins a contest? C, a hacker publishes all the files on her computer meant for her mother's computer? Or D, Connor, Jamie's friend, posts it because he thinks she's a good writer and wants to boost her self-confidence? Oh, Connor. We love Connor. I kind of wish it were the third one. Like, the stakes of that seem interesting, and it could be almost a a get-a-clue sort of vibe. Like, what is on her mom's computer that the world needed to to see from this hacker? It'd be a fun, like, third act where the kids are chasing down the hacker. Yeah. Um, So the the answer is going to be B. That's correct. Um, The father, Jamie's father, owns a business... Is it A, a pizza parlor, B, a barber shop, C, a convenience store, or D, a realty office? Um, I'm going to go with the pizza parlor. Feeling, feeling that confident. That is correct. Yeah, it is. So she works there. Um, okay, that feels good. Yeah. And at the very end of the movie, so we have some like conflicts and they're like, this pizza place is going to go under. We can't blah, blah, blah. Uh. There is a scene where accidentally some toppings get put onto some pizza and the people love it. Ooh. And it like saves the pizza business somehow. This is like the <laughs> one part of this movie where I was like, oh yeah, I did watch this because I remember exactly what it was. Ooh. Is it A, anchovies, B, pineapple, C, black beans, or D, seaweed? Gosh, I f- it feels like anchovies but i don't really understand how that would have saved them but that is my answer i will say the the fact that it saves the pizza place doesn't make any sense to me regardless of what the topping is yeah Um, it's not anchovies but you're in the right biome of the world that's a good hint i like that hint well uh anchovies are uh are a a fish so anchovies are fish. Their biome is probably the savanna. Mm-hmm. Which is where black beans grow. Really? I didn't know that. They are Oh, you mean like Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I mean Savannah brand black beans. Well, if you are saying it's in the same biome, I'm gonna go with uh, with the with the seaweeds. Yeah, so so weird. That's that seems odd, right? To me, but oh well. And also at the end of the movie, there is a school dance, which is a big important thing. Mm. The dance in the climax of the movie is themed around what element? Ooh. Is it air, water, fire, or earth? Interesting. So my inclination is to say water. Um, what also is a funny thing that's happening in my brain right now is that Danielle Panabaker was also in Sky High. Mm, yes. 
And her character, I believe, I'm not positive about this, but I feel pretty confident, her character had the capacity to summon plants and, like, use nature as Oh, yeah, I think that's true. power. You know, just because of that connection, I I think it's water, but I'm I'm gonna go with Earth just to just to defy my my own instinct here. Remember, Sky High was in the air. That's true. Did it was it was in the air? <laughs> is that a hint, Andrew? It's not a hint because Sky High has nothing to do with this movie. Um, That's true. Also. So I don't know how I don't know what logic you're using because uh, it is water. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that was my gut. And, and I, from from what I've gathered, something at the dance, like some of the decorations are like real seaweed, and oh! they end up like on someone's bag or hair or something, and then they brush them off in the pizza place. Yeah. Yeah. I can now picture, I can totally picture actually, I think there's a prank, right? Like, somebody means to prank somebody, and I can picture Sawyer Sullivan, bad guy slash Mindy Crenshaw. Um, I can picture her getting seaweed on her head. I don't know how it ends up on everybody else's as well, but I... But that makes sense to me. Yeah. That is ringing some bells of Notre Dame. So, as this movie is called Read It and Weep... Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun to do some reading. Oh, Uh, no. So we're going to do some dramatic readings of reviews of this movie. I have many. This first one, (laughs) first couple are from Amazon. And Amanda, I would love for you to read this (laughs) is by Busy Girl. The title is Don't Buy This DVD. But there's no A review by a child. (laughs) Reviewed in the United Kingdom on July 12th, 2012. Perfect. Whenever you're ready. This is a cold read. We understand that. Okay. And these are all real reviews. I'm not guessing which ones are are real, which ones are fake, correct? No, these are all completely real. I did have a (laughs) piece where I was going to have you guess what the ratings for these were. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't. I lost that piece of paper where I had written all those. So we're just going to do dramatic readings. Cool, 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 cool. Um, and it was reviewed in the United Kingdom, so I will be donning a British accent here. Thank um. you. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Gotta get in character here. I'm a method actor. I brought this DVD on the 29th of June, 2012, and I thought this should be here quick. The It Said Delivery Estimate, Tuesday, 10 July, 2012, to Tuesday, uh, 31st of July, 2012. I didn't mind that because I saw it's Disney and loved it when it arrived on the f- of July. I quickly asked to. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're doing so great. You're reading it exactly <laughs> as written. <laughs> I quickly asked to watch the DVD when my mum said yes. I popped in the DVD and then it said could only be watched in America, aka Region 1. So unless you live in the USA, I confidently suggest, do not buy this DVD. Wow. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. We have our next one from just an Amazon reviewer. Hmm. And the title is Read It and Weep. Um, maybe, maybe it'd be good to give some like scenarios or situations for these. 
or like an emotion okay okay i was gonna do it more as kind of like a like a 20s reporter but i am it's oh, pretty yeah, short that so. sounds great yeah i love it uh yeah you wanna you wanna kick me off so this is once again read it and weep by an amazon reviewer Overall condition, it was fabulous. The plot story of the movie was a bit confusing, but it was really good compared to most Disney Channel movies. I was worried that it wouldn't come on the day we wanted, but it came instantly and quickly. Yeah. All right. My next one is you, you can introduce the title. Yep. I'm sorry. You can introduce the author because there is no title. Mm. There's only a review. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, this one comes to us from the dearly departed Michael S. Anthony. Um, who is simply put a ghost. And this is his review. A gift. Incredible. Beautiful. Yeah. Well done. Short and sweet. I chose this one because I couldn't tell if based on this, whether they're saying that they got the DVD as a gift Or if they think that this movie is a gift to the world. I mean, it's probably both. It could be both. All right. I know that was like not a real long one, so I can read the next one if you want or... Yeah, you should you, you should go for it with Annabelle. I think... Uh, okay. Yeah, Annabelle is coming to us live from Texas, um, but she's having a really, a really crummy day. Um, and she is... She's an eight-year-old middle child. So uh, that's your motivation. And the headline is amazing, but I don't think it really matches her emotional state right now. Um, Annabelle, if you want to take it away. This is a truly incredible film. The acting is of the highest degree. And the director uses their genius mind to really capture the emotional struggle this young girl goes through. From crushes to parents to pesky older brothers to having her personal diary published to having her secrets revealed, we see the protagonist become an outcast to her peers, even alienating her best friends. It's a heartwarming tale of growing up and becoming your own person, sure to touch the hearts of young and old alike. I highly recommend it. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm wiping some tears away. That was was beautiful. There was kind of a Robin Hood vibe in there for me. I can't think of which character. Robin Hood vibe? Yeah. Which character is it? It was like, oh, yeah. I mean, the sheriff has that. Yes. That's the end of the reviews that I have. Wow. I mean, if anything, I'm more hyped than ever for this. Yeah, I would say so. I do have one last small thing. Okay. Are you familiar with Mad Libs? I sure am. All right. Well, we're going to do a real quick Mad Libs. Ooh. And we're going to see how it turns out. So first, I need from you an adjective. Pale. And an animal. Platypus. Okay, platypus. Uh, a noun. Candle. Ooh. Uh, and an object. That would have been better for candle. Uh, hammer. Ooh. You say ooh everything I say. I like I like all of them. Sport. Curling. Mm. 
curling. Another object. Uh, if I say clown nose, is that? Yeah. That'll, I'll take that. that work? What, judges? Yes. Yeah. We'll accept that. Cool. Great. Uh, adjective. Ostentatious. A verb. Ski. And celebrity. Uh, Chris Evans. All right. Here is the short plot synopsis of the read it and weep that could have been. Ooh. Jamie transforms from a pale platypus to a media candle after her hammer is accidentally turned in for a curling contest and becomes a best-selling clown nose. With the help of her ostentatious friends, she skis some major lessons about the importance of being Chris Evans. Mm. Always be Chris Evans. <laughs> Why be yourself when you could be Chris Evans? Come on. When you can be Chris Evans. Wow. I mean, yeah, my, my excitement I thought was at an all-time high, but now we've just topped it that much more. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to just get right into it. Right into it. Get right into the, the reading and the weeping and the, the skiing. So when we come back, we will have watched Read It and Weep. Bye. Bye. months ago when I the last movie that I saw in theaters was Birds of Prey and similar to the end of that Mm. movie I I I sat in the theater and I looked at the person I went with and I said well we just watched a movie and that's how I feel today that is true um technically I think I don't know I don't remember what the runtime is on this movie one hour and 24 minutes oh mm-hmm mm-hmm wow it felt much longer yeah, it kind of did. It kind of did. Okay, should we do that? Should we do our thirty second? Oh, we yes, we totally should. Jump into that. We totally should. Um, I'm gonna start it in a three and a two and a one. Uh, Jamie writes this journal that is very vivid and illustrated, and it acts. She uh, tries to email an essay to her friend, but accidentally emails her journal instead. It goes huge. It gets published. She becomes pretty famous and like starts to help her parents' pizza business because she's famous. And then she becomes a jerk to all of her friends. She has a handler. She just uh, tries to be with the populars, and then she kind of um, she ruins everything. But then she gets nice at the end at the seaweed dance. The end. <laughs> at the seaweed dance. Yeah, I mean. Yep. All right. I, I got a little rushed there at the end, but uh, but but the gist was there, I believe. All right. Are you ready to go? Are you timing yourself? Man, this thing is confusing. All right. Ready? Yep. Set. Go. So Jamie is a high school freshman, uh, now best-selling author because she accidentally published her paper that was really really long about Iz, who's a uh, like an alter ego of herself, and she. Uh, keeps it a secret or not really that all of her book is based on people and then it gets out that they are and everyone's mad at her and she becomes famous and becomes a jerk because of that uh, and realizes at the end that the boy she had a crush on didn't actually write the poem but it was her friend and then she uh turned at the end <laughs> that's 
good. I think we both covered covered very different yeah. uh, parts of the plot, which is great. Um, I think between the two of us, we I think most of it. Yeah, we nailed it. I think we. Uh, All right. So we did the thing. Let's move on to the cue. <laughs> the end of the episode. That's the end. Okay. The no. end. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this movie. I mean, okay. So I will say. In, so when we in the first half of this episode, I pretty much, at least the first half of the movie, at least the inciting incident and the, all the build up development yeah. that happens at first, I remembered pretty much all of that, um, and recited that plot and and all of that I would say was pretty consistent with what I remembered of it. I would say it also rang true for the emotional impact I remember it having on me in two thousand six. If that makes sense, any. Okay authorial aspirations that were inspired by it any dreams of randomly becoming published like that pretty much lines up um and you know every I mean all of my expectations of early 2000s you know portrayal of high school and fashion and overall just portrayal and scripting felt pretty consistent I feel like okay I feel like from a quality perspective, it feels like mm-hmm. your baseline average decom. Would you agree? Like I don't I don't feel like it is egregiously worse than an average decom. I feel like it's pretty middle of the road. Counter. Yeah. Yeah, I think overall, I think this is the thing that we've talked about in so many of these, but just like the pacing of this movie is really weird. It is. Um but yeah, overall like production-wise like it's not any it's not terribly worse than any other movies that we've seen so far yeah i would agree yeah just the thing that really threw me off is like we're like i felt like we were so far in before she starts becoming like a jerk Mm. um i I was just sitting there the whole time thinking like first of all her her um her journal gets published like super early like Mm -hmm. i know that's the point of the movie but i guess i thought there would be I don't know. I don't know what I expected to be before that. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty early on for sure. That makes sense. Yeah, but then it it feels like that popular bestseller life is so good for so long in this movie. Yeah. Which maybe is a good thing. Maybe shows. I don't know. It was. It was just. I thought that she would become like a real vapid, popular person really quick, and it took longer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very very heightened like yeah the the response of the student body to being able to buy the book and have her sign it and it's this children's it's this kind of weird illustrated children's chapter book sort of i mean right. it's kind of odd um but they're well, all all about it like crowding the hallways just to like get her to sign it it's like okay i don't yeah. think high schoolers would be responding that way to that maybe i'm wrong but i can't imagine and then so not only that local response and then she gets to go nationally with it and she's in these kind of ambiguous fame situations with her handler that she's gotten yeah and then one so she like and she meets her like soap opera idols and all of this stuff so it's very like high level and then she comes back and does a local morning show i think i think the morning show is local and everyone is it watching it yeah and she screws up and then everything falls apart because she reveals that the characters in her journal were just renamed versions of real people. Right. Except for the cute guy who she just names himself with a different last name. 
So these big dumb dummies don't know. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> his name's Mark. His real name is Marco Vega, and in the book it's Marco Vincent. And she's having a conversation with Ooh. with the cute boy, and and he's like, so uh, so that's me, right? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how is nobody else catching on that all yeah. of these people are the same? <laughs> well, because even like the brother, pretty early in the movie, yeah, like knows that he is based on troll, whatever, whatever. His name is Lenny, and the troll is Kenny. Very fine line there. Right, right, right. Yep. And then the dad is like, no, that's not you. And he says, maybe a little bit in the ears. What? Yeah. He didn't have weird ears. He had normal-looking ears. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Maybe that's just like a phrase that I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Um, speaking of phrases, we don't know. At one time, she says, have a nutty? Did you catch this moment? No, what? Um, so her friends are accusing of her, I say accusing pretty facetiously, but they're like, you're a writer. And she's like, no, I'm not. And they say, why are you writing all the time? And she says, because if I didn't write, I'd have a nutty. And I had to Google this because I'd never heard it before. And the, and so Urban Dictionary took it straight to nutty, like, like Mm -hmm. crazy, but as an adjective, not as have a nutty in quotes. Right. The only reference I could find to that being a phrase was in 2011, and it said something about slang and and meaning, kind of meaning what you would picture it meaning, kind of going off, getting right. getting crazy or something. And it said something about like being detrimental to your social life. I don't. I didn't even like read the whole thing. I just kind of glimpsed the the preview of it to make sure that it existed. But it was very odd from a from a early 2000s linguistics perspective i was like who is saying this where did this come from i don't know yeah i don't know because that you said 2011 would be after this movie yeah well after several years maybe this movie created that phrase Mm. right maybe that was the actual goal of this movie was to create that phrase and it just never took off yep hit linguistic sensation of of 2006 have a nutty Mm, that's the one uh yeah, I'm confused. Okay, I'm confused on this book. Mm. Um, is it like I don't understand how this is such a good piece of writing mm. because it'd just be her journal, right? So you'd think there would be just like a lot of incomplete thoughts and like it'd be very vignette-y, which I guess can work, but it would have to be like it's it's portrayed in the movie like oh it's this like book it's this like novel or whatever, but it would have to still feel like a journal mm-hmm. right it would just be this journal of this imaginary character yeah what is the narrative arc here right is she i mean because if she's yeah because like, there wouldn't be an ending right right the last page would just be whatever that last day was yeah about a t- it would be about a tuesday and something about zapping somebody and that would right be that and also I would assume that what she submitted for the essay contest was kind of an excerpt because she has this conversation with her mom about publishing it and she kind of, she she's resistant to it and she says, but mom, I don't have any more pages. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and gets other journals yeah. as though those will successfully augment the book, which wouldn't really make sense from a narrative right what i kind of understood from that is that her like tablet is her newest journal and all the right. ones on the bookshelf were like old ones right 
So, but that even says to me that it wouldn't even start in a place that made sense. Maybe it would. Maybe she wrote it in a way that works, but, like, I don't know. I was confused. Yeah. I, th- I, I think trying to give this movie the benefit of the doubt, right? And, and I will say, like, vastly improved experience for me personally above Stuck in the Suburbs. Like, that movie okay. was, it was, for me, it was a revelation that it was trash. This one was about what I expected it to be, I think. And okay. um, I think I was able to track for at least a little while because the experience that she has of, number one, processing crummy events in her life by imagining how a, how a more heroic version of herself would respond to the situation can be therapeutic, right? We, I think as humans, we sure. will reflect back circumstances and say, this is how this could have happened differently, things like that. There's also, to me, I wrote in my notes, there's kind of a Lizzie McGuire vibe to Is at first. So we have a lot of these back and forth because at first is so is is played by Danielle Panabaker, her older sister, or the actress that plays Jamie, her older sister. Right. And at first, we mostly only see her in the context of Jamie writing her journal and imagining how things could look differently. And again, that feels therapeutic to me. But it does kind of feel like the Lizzie McGuire little cartoon character, because she will basically say this stream of consciousness. This is what I actually think about this situation, or this uh, this is how I'd like to respond to it. So at first, it feels kind of whimsical and it feels like almost an emotional processing sort of mechanism right Mm -hmm. that's how we start out and then as the movie progresses it changes so at first I was able to track and I was able to say this feels like if not if I wouldn't do it now it's something that I might have done in high school right this is if I were braver and stronger and magical this is how I would respond to this person being mean to me or my parents annoying me and then I have a feeling you have questions about this, but and then it goes off the rails and it becomes both weirder and almost yeah. a little trippy. And the function of that character is a little kind of yikes in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of the this topic of discussion that I wanted to hit on uh, eventually. And this is, yeah, a lot of people, you know, we read a lot of the reviews of this movie earlier and a lot of the ones that I, didn't include especially and i think even one that maybe we will include in in the episode um talks about how like uh dan no what's her name jamie mm-hmm. how jamie has some sort of um issue mm-hmm. right? do you now i never having such a, a vague memory of this when i was reading those in preparation for this episode i was like okay that's a dumb take mm-hmm. like that's really silly there's no way that's how it's portrayed yep but as I was watching it, I was like, okay, I can see you making an argument for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And when I, I thought the same thing when we read that review because I, again, was kind of going in, not in a, in a defensive posture, but trying to give this movie the benefit of the doubt and remembered, the again, the Lizzie McGuire side of it that is this right. fictional character that she knows she's imagining that is more just a, a, a version of her subconscious and didn't really remember the function of is as the movie goes on because we um, function, like functionally within the context of the movie, uh, Jamie is talking to is and having conversations yeah, with her, not just thing. in her head, but saying things out loud. People ask her where she's looking and who she's talking to. And yeah. 
it does get a little, it, it sort of, I don't know if this was the intention from a writer perspective, but it does kind of raise this question of, uh, what's, what's going on with Jamie? Is this just, uh, yeah. is this her being an eccentric writer, creative sort of thing? Or is this actually something that needs to be explored or addressed in some way? Um, and well, because it's not really treated as a joke. No, it's not really. It's not addressed. Right. right. So it doesn't fall on either end of the spectrum. It just kind of, for, for pardon the pun, is there. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's it, hard to read. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, it, it, there definitely is no sense that it's trying to communicate anything. I mean, to take it kind of to a serious level, doesn't seem like it's trying to communicate anything about mental health or like a social disorder right. of any kind. It just, it moves and it's pretty abrupt. I would say from at first, it's just her imagining is acting for her in the situation. And then as like, so we mentioned the, the pacing is kind of abrupt when Jamie's behavior jumps pretty quickly from her being her normal self to this very pretentious, very demanding person that's dismissive of her friends, dismissive of commitments that she's made, all of a sudden yeah. now is kind of is in the driver's seat and is telling her what to do and encouraging. I mean, again, it's this fiction of or whether you want to call it a, a figment of her imagination, whether you want to call it her creative muse, whether you want to call it her alter ego whatever she's in the driver's seat and she's saying i you need to make this choice to that's going to make you more popular and more cool you need to make this choice to do x y or z and so i think she's i mean at, at best she's kind of symbolic of her ego getting the better of her and taking over the situation but at worst and because of how it's functionally her talking to herself and you know i mean she's outwardly actually doing these things it's it does seem it does seem to be uh functionally some sort of uh i don't know i like I'm, I'm hesitant to use some words just because i i'm really sensitive right. to like the yeah. mental We're health conversation and i you know i don't i don't know i don't want to i don't want to make light of it cuz the the movie doesn't really tend to go one way or the other with it right but it i mean functionally if you look at the the plot maybe like just independent of what the genre of movie is and who made it and everything like that you might look at this in a in a different kind of sphere and and wonder what kind of conversation they're trying to start about it you know mm -hmm. um but i mean it like function like objectively and empirically she's she's talking to herself by way of this figment of her imagination and so it's right i don't know it's it's pretty odd it's pretty odd yeah no i agree yeah i i think the and you already hit this, right? But the biggest thing is she talks to it and argues with mm -hmm. is in in real life, right? Like, yeah. as if is is right there in reality. And mm -hmm. that's where it becomes a little bit tricky to figure out. Right. And I, I think it comes to a head during the interview where she accidentally misspeaks and says... the So mm -hmm. it all falls apart because she's in this, this interview and... Myrna is the fictional name of the popular girl and Sawyer is her real name. And so she's in the interview on TV. She says, everybody knows a Sawyer. I mean, Myrna, and then has to kind of backtrack right. and, but the damage has been done. And so, but, but, but right before that happens, you see this spiral happening where she's 
she's not talking to Iz, but she's jumping all over the place and she's not really making a lot of sense. And and she, at one point, or so in order to do this interview, she's bailed on her her friend's protest and she's like, yeah. I should have just gone to save the little bunny rabbits. And and the, at this point, she's just kind of completely gone off the rails and the interviewer is is just doesn't know what to say and i think she's like let's cut to a commercial and yeah but she's kind of i mean again hesitant around mental health terms but she really does kind of have this little breakdown publicly yeah. on tv and it's 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 a little bit like it's uncomfortable to watch which a lot of the movie is it's a you know it's your middle of the road decom <laughs> but for a lot of different reasons yeah um but i think i mean i think again if to give it to give it some credit wherever that is possible, like, it's a, there's a pretty straightforward communication about the dangers of childhood fame, right? 14-year-olds having an abrupt, like, being, being abruptly catapulted into spotlight with a lot of money and a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen this countless, countless times with actors and young singers and stuff like that, that, you know, we're, we're not really built for that, at least not at 14 or 15. Um, and obviously that there are exceptions to that rule. There are examples that are okay, but this is kind of one of those cautionary tales of, you know, she should be helping decorate for the dance and, you know, going to class right. and hating biology, but she's not built to not only, I mean, she's, she's not built to be this be national bestselling author, but she's definitely not built to try to juggle both that life, All that fame life yeah. and high school life. And so we see that in this one Which scene. Frustrating to be like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of that's on the adults. Yeah. Around her, right? Yeah. They're like her handler and her parents or whatever. Like, I don't know. They, the parents especially seem to be so um, out of the loop of all of yeah. this. Like, I know the mom goes with her on to the whatever party or whatever, but they just seem. I, I, there was an interesting thought, or I, I had an interesting thought while the two of them were arguing which was they were talking about how like the dad pizza place is closing down and is is like well you'll be fine you'll have enough in your trust fund yeah like, oh yeah wait where is that money going is it just is it yeah. literally just all going in savings like that's not what i would do as a parent yeah maybe that's it's pretty odd. like i don't i'm not advocating that parents of child stars are yeah i'm not advocating that they should take all their kids money but it, right it, yeah it's very strange that you're just like this normal family mm -hmm. and suddenly graced with money. And the daughter isn't at all like, well, we should, like, we should, you should have some of this money for right now. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, not only do you have that aspect of it, but you also have this whole storyline around the pizza parlor and it's. Yeah. Which I want to talk about a little bit in a second. Yeah. It's the, there's, so there's both sides of this, this coin that don't really don't really touch like they're they seem to be almost just like independent parts of the plot that you would think would maybe be more involved yeah. because there's all of i mean this potential rise for the parents is attributed to her quote-unquote fame and success and like it's yeah it's pretty odd <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I, okay so i want to talk about this moment when she reveals that all of the book is about all of her friends and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly everyone in the world hates her. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't buy it. Mm -mm. Um, so, first of all, 
well, I was going to say, I guess I was a little bit shocked that that interview that she did was, like, live live. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like her her handler or someone should have been on that. Yep. I, I don't know. It was, if, if it is, like, a local station, maybe they don't have a delay or whatever on that. Or maybe they're not recording ahead of time. Or Who knows? Who knows? Um, but then you, we have this scene where we go back to school and everyone is mad at Jamie. And they, like, form a mob and are about to, like attack her mm-hmm. it's like i don't i don't know if everyone would be mad at that because surely she didn't write about everyone right yeah that example she, that the interact with that many people right yeah and that's the whole point of the first part of the movie right is and she has this climactic conversation with is at the dance where is is like before me you were nobody you were invisible and so right. but during the during the mob scene uh sawyer popular girl is talking to this random dude that's st- kind of sort of standing up for Jamie. And she's like, mm-hmm. didn't you know she wrote about you too? She wrote about all of us. Who did you think the the big dumb meathead guy was? And then yeah. she said, actually it was, it was your friend. It just, yeah, the, the odds of that happening uh, don't seem, don't seem good. And in fact, if like, if uh, Sawyer is Myrna in this, right? Another day, mm-hmm. another Myrna. I love that. Um, wouldn't and there's people... some good writing. Yeah. Like, but, anyway, different conversation. Would other kids in the school like that? If, like, Myrna is this bully and, like, popular person or whatever, wouldn't, mm. wouldn't they kind of, like, be on Jamie's side? Yeah. Now, or Sawyer's been taken down a peg? Yeah. I don't know. That was my thought. But everyone is on her side for some reason because she's one of, quote, the populars. Mm. Yeah. I Every... pre-adolescent adolescent adolescent girl is obsessed with that concept like I I wrote I remember like the first novel that I ever like wrote or concepted or tried to write I was nine years old I had spent one year in public school and uh, and that was my first real experience with you know people that I considered to be the the populars but that idea Mm -hmm was so cemented in my psyche that like this whole book revolved around this popular girl and her need to like be brought down to earth and cut down to size and be nice you know like it is just such this foundational us versus them idea that I mean and and again I like I went to mostly private school like I went to tiny Christian schools and not to say that like oh you know people are complicated we have good and we have bad in us so like not that everyone was perfect and nice at those places obviously i had some people books that black i black and light, white like in my book not nope um good good ref good ref um but even though i didn't really from the vast majority of my educational experience i didn't have this like actual popular experience but it's an idea that really mm-hmm. is i think pop especially culture pop culturally is really drilled into you that there are these people that, you know, that are in this different, I don't, I mean, I hate using the saying like different tier, but that's the way that it's taught to us that there are these people that, and really it doesn't even, now I'm like going on a rant, but what does it even mean? Right? Like the idea of being like popular, what, like, yeah, is it, is it richer? Is it prettier? Is it has more social power in some way? I don't know what it is, but like, I think, and I would love to hear, like, from your, as, as a guy's yeah, perspective, because that, I mean, that was pretty formational for my concept of how the world worked, right? As a little girl, like, that was, 
foundational. And so I watched this movie and I'm like, yeah, like eating it up that there's the populars and then there's everybody mm-hmm. else. And if you have the chance to be in with the populars on your best or your worst day, you're probably going to take it. You know, it's just so, it's so interesting the way that it's polarized like that. So what, what is the, the guy angle on that? No, for sure. I, I had like similar experiences to that as well, where there definitely was a popular group of, uh, yeah, I would, I would say there were, yeah, like four or five. I, so I went to a really small private school as well in mm-hmm. middle school. Um, and so, yeah, there was like a, a group of boys that were like the popular guys. And, but yeah, that's the thing is I had my friends and, and like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm so cool. I'm above it all. But like, I like recognized that they were the popular ones and they were the cool ones. Um, but I was like, eh. I, I, I was, I was at the beginning of the, the, the quintessential decom, right. Where I was like, mm. I got my friends and we're cool. We're, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely think that existed. Um, I think part of it at that age was like a little bit just like, did you have money or fashion or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also, it's the idea that right if you're cool then you can like you have you have access to the group of cool girls too mm. um so i think that was yeah. that's probably part of where that that comes from yeah and i assume vice versa right yeah that makes sense um it's an inter- i think it's interesting like the the value system of what like who those mm. people are um I would say there was less of a lot less of that kind of structure in my high school. It was even smaller than where I went for middle school. Um, also, they were all Christian schools. Um, in middle school, there was there, it was a lot more distinct. But they were the sports girls. They were on the volleyball team. The cheerleaders were kind of had their own popularity in some way, but it was the athletic volleyball girls. Um, hmm. And I feel I can't. There's some example that I is in my head, and I can't think of what it is. But I've. I think in different spheres, like different unique spheres, like sometimes that's the, like there are situations in which the smart kids are the popular kids. Not like, I would say it's rare and we're, we're again, like pop culturally taught that the, the smart kids are the nerds and therefore not popular. But I think that there are different spheres in which there are different values. And maybe, maybe that's a bad example, but like historically it's the, we think of the sports kids being like that, but there are also different i would say like in mean you look at mean girls right the plastics aren't athletic they're just like fashionistas and kind of have a have a um a financial prowess thing or whatever um so it's it's interesting to like because there's not a universal value system to that but it no it's but there's stereotypes for sure of what those are well and i think a lot of it is based on your area or like okay so if we take it back to not one of our favorite movies, but we take it back to zombies, mm. right? Where yeah. the athletic people are so low on the totem pole and the cheerleaders are the ones way high up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we just we just sort of create these, like you said, create these value systems um, based on, I don't know what, based on history or based on whoever, whoever decides that they are popular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think when I got to high school, personally, my high school was so big that like I had my group of people and I was I was a theater person so they were all theater people mm-hmm. um, I was a band person too so we had band people as well but like we didn't really interact and we didn't really care to interact with uh the, like 
I don't think there was any like beef necessarily mm. or uh, not even maybe like a hierarchy as much as it was just like all of these cliques are separated and they're yeah. all like not equal but there wasn't as much of a pyramid as much as I think for me at least it was in, in middle school where it was just it was so based on nothing you know it was just based yeah. on confidence I guess I don't know yeah looks yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting Part of me, I mean, and this is like getting really high level academic, but part of me wonders about how much, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, were we, oh, yeah, were we taught that that's the way things work and so we adopted it? Or is that actually just the way? I mean, and I think in a lot of ways, right, there's a lot of research around group psychology and belonging and identity right. and the fact that being a theater I mean and I my high school was so small that pretty much everybody did theater and almost everybody did choir and there were was a handful of, of folks that did sports but I don't know that that necessarily was the distinguishing factor for you to be popular or unpopular again it wasn't really as much of a distinction there for me mm-hmm. um so but but regardless of that piece of the, the clicking or the click piece of it my identity as a theater kid was was a, was something it was just something that i loved it was something that i loved doing loved spending time doing i felt closer to the people that yeah. i did that with and then carried that identity with me into college um which then at that point in some ways there are still components of that but mostly bets are all bets are off because it's a, a much larger body of people that you experience identity and belonging with with the groups that you're a part of but it's a lot le- i mean nobody cares if you're a theater kid and you are studying engineering yeah. and you're on a rec sports team like nobody cares about those things because you're transitioning into adulthood when you you can more or less do what you want um and a lot of that not to say that go ahead not to say that those clicks don't exist right when you get into adulthood and when you get into the office totally yeah but the the pool is such is so much larger right if you're popular in high school you're a pretty big fish in a pretty small pond yeah when you and and then in in office spaces right because i think there's a lot of i think a lot of the adult conversation like culturally i mean like i I mean i think we're just talking about how i met your mother and you think of barney working Mm -hmm. in his very corporate job like he would be considered probably in that environment uh obviously we wouldn't really use the word popular there but he does have a certain amount of power because he right you know has this certain anyway that's a whole a a different conversation i think that's so interesting because that feels at least like not that it's right or wrong but it at least feels like it comes from somewhere Mm. right like if you are higher up or you have more seniority or whatever like i don't i don't think it it in any way makes it okay for you to be a bad person or be a jerk or whatever right you can at least like that that's what is so confounding to me about like popularity in high school Mm -hmm. which which just comes down to like like you said like you're going back to like big fish in a small pond like yeah life feels so high school problems feel so big when you're in high school and then when you look back you're like that was really dumb did I care about that that much mm-hmm. and I think that's part of it is like I don't I can't even really comprehend why I thought that these people were popular right or why I cared yeah yeah I think a lot about <laughs> um some of the friends that I have now that I met in adulthood in the past, I mean, even since college, but particularly since high school. And there are several people that I, I wonder if I had met them in high school, would I have mm-hmm. been friends with them? 
yeah. either I would have felt threatened by them or we would have just existed in different social circles if I had gone to public school and it would have been a whole different thing. But, you know, I I don't know that that's the case for everybody that I am, like, that is de- near and dear to me now. Um, yeah. I think about that a lot, actually. Um, and I'm thankful that I met a lot of people when I did, right? Because you're so, yeah, the... The, I guess I mean, we keep using the big the, the fish and pond analogy, but I think just like you become an adult and you realize, oh my gosh, like the pond is so large and I am an individual and it's not like, I mean, you, you grow up, but you get smaller as you realize how big the world right. is. And so it's like, listen, anything that would have mattered, like even as recently as college, like it doesn't matter the way that I thought I did. Yeah. Um, I just recently connected i mean i have a group chat with um some of those friends that i have from high school and we were talking about someone that um without giving away too much information yep um to, i mean you know because we've talked about this yeah before. someone that um made their way into the spotlight i'll say yeah that. Yeah, and yeah we were talking about them this person because we at least me specifically wasn't super close to this person mm-hmm. but this was a person who like had a very specific uh look and feel yeah. and like vibe to them mm-hmm. and so i think we started off like uh doing some like some light goofs on this person sure but then um had just just this kind of big conversation about like maybe we should stop doing that and like accept be- well because one of our friends still is in contact with that person mm-hmm. um, and talks to them regularly and was like yeah i mean these things are true about what they were but this person has changed uh, and really grown right into like being an adult, which we all have. And it kind of started, started that conversation with all of us of like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. I wonder what people would say about us if we were in that same situation or like how much we have grown since then. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Like what, what was on our mind, what we cared about, what determined, like, were you cool? Were you popular? Mm-hmm. Were you in this group? Were you in that group? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, so to, to use the, the, that spotlight example as kind of a, a bridge back, right? I, I think I mentioned that in, during the first half, Kay Panabaker, who stars in this movie, um, now works at, works at Animal Kingdom, which is like, which is awesome. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if you had told t- 2006 me that, I think it would have kind of blown my mind because I would, I, you know, like she was, she loomed so large to me and she had this Mm-hmm. this spotlight and this exposure so now her life looks a lot more I mean like I have friends that work at Animal Kingdom you know what I mean like I yeah it, how do you go back to being a normal person after that yeah quote unquote normal quote, quote. right um and so I wonder now to take it kind of meta I guess if we you know so Jamie has this rise and then because of the journey that her character goes on and at the end she you know has her big speech whatever at first she tries to like reassert her fame kind of and talks about the sequel to her book and then it has this kind of coming back down to earth moment and so there's almost Mm -hmm. we don't know how her life is going to i mean she has this happily ever after monologue or whatever but you know there's kind of in my mind anyway there's this question like is she gonna cancel the sequel of the book now is she gonna make this decision to come back to again like you just said like being a normal teenager right but regardless of whether she does that i think there's an assumption that she's i mean she's going to continue through high school. She's going to finish high school. Maybe she's had this exposure, but 
at the end of the day, she's, I mean, maybe she's an author, maybe she's not. It kind of seems like maybe she wouldn't choose that as a, a primary career path because she was so resistant to it. Right. She likes the fame, but she doesn't like who it made her. And so. And then what does your history, how does that affect your future? Yeah. Yeah. How does she move forward? Does she, does, she, does Jamie end up working at Animal Kingdom also? <laughs> like, just kidding. Um, that would be so meta. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's an interesting um, I don't know. I think it makes me think about yeah. the different names and faces that I know that had a spike of fame, whether I was going to say a spike of fame early in life, but whether they were a kid or how, whatever age they were, like to have that spike of fame and then go back to whatever they were doing before. Mm-hmm. I think about like some musicians whose names that I know that have like several, like tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, but also might like if they if they can't currently make a living off of their music, they probably have a day job as well. They're not, you know what I mean? Like, um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I just think about, you know, if we're gonna give this movie some credit from in terms of what it's communicating about fame, um, I think its argument in a lot of ways is um, almost more that like you have to step away from it to continue to be an honest version of yourself. And I don't know if that's 100 I don't know how true that is but it's just an interesting right. kind of um what's how you treat it I think. yeah totally I don't know I've never been anywhere close to famous or even popular correct but... I mean for me too not for you sorry Thanks. sorry Thanks. my bad my oh. B we're very famous <laughs> podcasters I promise um but yeah how do you how do you deal with I mean even this is this is such an interesting subset that I've been researching a little bit um just like falling down rabbit holes of like popular YouTubers okay. that um, have such, I didn't really realize this. Like you hear about these YouTubers that are like uh, kind of jerks mm-hmm. or irresponsible or do whatever. Yep. And I think when I used to see those, I was like, you know, whatever, that guy's, that guy's dumb. That guy's an idiot, but he's just making YouTube videos. I didn't really realize how many, especially young people watch these, these people on YouTube and, are influenced by them and so it's like when you have a voice yep. how do you use it yeah and i think i think there's a topic here that we could talk about for like another hour that oh, is not yeah, for this for sure. podcast but just like this movie came out in 2006 in 2020 if you have a microphone and a phone i mean if you have a phone yeah you could effectively become this influencer and that's i mean again for a sure. completely different conversation but i think I think to give this movie potentially another credit, it, ha- it particularly through the environmental... So she has these two friends that are, like, environmentally conscious and they want to save the animals. Mm-hmm. And at the end, one of the huge marks of Jamie's return to herself and her growth is that she uses being handed the microphone at the dance as this platform to communicate this positive message that her friends are trying to communicate of save the whales and, you know, be yeah. conscious about the world. Um, so I think if you, I mean, to carry that message forward to today's, or today's, like, media environment or whatever, um, if you have a platform, you have a say, like, you, how are you going to use your, how are you going to use your voice? To go back to the movie a little bit more directly. Yeah. um, And to talk about something else that's popular. You know what else is popular, Amanda? What what else is popular? Pizza. Mm -hmm. Pizza is popular. It is. And I am so angry Mm. to have this notion that this pizza place is so popular because 
the dad's daughter is like this writer that wrote a book and then as soon as everyone at school is mad at her now the pizza place is empty mm-hmm. what i don't understand that what i also observed was even early on when they put up this sign that says pizza shack the home of jamie bartlett this mm-hmm. famous art author of is saves the world People are in the restaurant eating the pizza, but no one is crowding her for her autograph. No, she not is at all. literally just serving the pizza, and it it just feels very funny. It's like, really, would people go there just because she's th- there? They're not there to for some sort of contact pizza with her. Popular. Pizza is popular. That's, that was my takeaway from the movie. I'll. I think we should add it to the also, list. Yep. That apparently this is a movie, or this this movie is in a universe where you just order a pizza and whatever comes on the pizza you're happy with. That's that's a great point. Yep. You can you can just order a cheese pizza and it comes with seaweed on it and yep. you're like, mmm, how tasty. I think that that part of the plot is like has to be set up by the ridiculousness of what you're pointing out right now, right? Is that like this whole movie the dad is trying out these weird things? Right. He doesn't have to be like he could just give people bacon and pepperoni like a normal pizza place um one point the girl's like your cheese is the best around people love it i did not hear that line but that's hilarious oh yeah so it's like one of the friends is arguing with the dad i think it's when he brings out the liver and onion pizza. yeah 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 why are you doing this your cheese is so good yeah um yeah so that so that whole part of the plot has to be there in order to set us up for this totally unhygienic, totally unsanitary, oh, yeah. accidental addition of the seaweed out of the brother's clothing onto these people's food that they love. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. It's very... Uh... But only for the first one. After that, the dad says, go pull the seaweed from the sushi in the back. Wow. That's different seaweed, I feel like, than the kind that... Never mind. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. I don't know, every single person in that gym got hit with seaweed, so... Oh, yeah. I'm sure they have plenty to go around. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Oh, I had... So, going back to this, like... uh, Maybe it's not really going back to this. Uh, The one other thing that really caught me off guard was this long sequence of her getting ready for the dance. Yes. Is Is that a thing... Like, how does... How does young Amanda feel about that sequence because i didn't understand why it was so long um well first of all i think 2006 amanda was probably jealous that she had her nails painted because i was the the policies in my household around makeup and and nail polish were pretty Mm. conservative i had no middle school dance that i was going to because again private schools um but Personally, I was always very into the makeover scenes a la Princess Diaries, right? And the, um, gosh, I can't think of another good example right now. But I'm pretty sure I love, like, those were what I looked, what I loved and looked up to. But, you know, as of today, it's definitely some, some weird prolonged shots. I think it stands, I think functionally it stands in for the, the potential montages we've seen in other movies because it we have these pictures of her friends around the mirror so she's taking the time to think back about them and miss them and stuff right because we I mean in back in stuff mm-hmm. in the suburbs you have this black and white montage of these scenes that you're seeing now three and four times oh, yeah. so it feels functionally to me the same as that and because like 
kind of like a montage to build suspense before the third act. Yes. And I think, yeah. I think particularly for young girls, there's this symbolism. I mean, if you think of, they don't do a scene like this in 10 Things I Hate About You, but there's, but I, the vibes are there for me of that, of, I think that there is just for young girls, there's a symbolism in number one, the dance that is always the climax of every movie like this. Um, what is it? Pretty and pretty in pink. And mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, as, as specific and niche as pretty in pink and as broad sweeping as Cinderella and you know what I mean? So like, but there is a, there is a functional symbolism around the, the prettying process and the primping process that is just something that young girls, again, I think it's a chicken and egg question because we're taught that we need to look a certain way. We're taught to enjoy that process because we need, we need to look a certain way particularly for the big dance and you know whatever and she's about to go go out with the cutest boy in school right and so there's yeah. there's that piece of her her emotional processing I guess but um yeah I mean I think it's I think it's that typical um excitement and enjoyment of the aesthetics of that scene it didn't make me actively uncomfortable well some of the shots were just long enough from a cinematography perspective that I was like this is kind of weird yeah. um but it didn't make me un- uncomfortable. It's definitely prolonged, and it's definitely it's like okay, we get it, move on. Um, but she's going through and she's doing her lip, like she has lipstick on already, and then she's also doing her lip gloss and she's doing her hair and she's painting her nails and she's putting her shoes on and um, I don't know. I think it's a pretty typical feature in that okay in that genre, and it's something that I would have enjoyed in two thousand six and very much did not care about in twenty twenty because that's not really my you know my thing. But right. Maybe that's just a thing as, like, a 2006 boy, Andrew, mm. just, like, blocked out those kinds of scenes yeah. or didn't care about them or didn't watch the kind of movies that had them. Maybe. Yeah. It just caught me so off guard that I was like, are we going to spend this entire song doing this? And yeah. I was, I was a little bit thrown off. No, I, yeah, I do think it's symbolic, and I think it's, I think it's pretty much a fixture of – may I mean, you mentioned the third act, and maybe some of it is, you know, mm-hmm. if you take it really high level, is symbolic of the character transformation, right? Like – she's she's getting all dolled up so that she can have this revelation moment of who she's actually supposed to be i don't know right it's still weird that makes sense yeah but um i Uh, I have one last factoid oh yeah please 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 um the two friends pop up i don't remember their names Uh, yes something uh her name is something uh but the the um the the girl with like the the white girl. The white girl. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she looked familiar to me, and I couldn't think of what it was. Yes, she did as me as well. Um, and I looked it up, and the best that I could figure is that she was on an episode of Psych. Um, she was in the Devils in the, the Exorcism episode, or the Exorcist episode. And I... Th- as one of... Is that the sorority one? I think so. Uh, okay. No, I don't think so. That's different? No. I mean, the, I, the episode is called The Devils in the Details in the, in the Upstairs Bedroom or whatever, and it's pretty consistent. Like, there are s- several shots that are from The Exorcist that are in there, and she, I think, I didn't go back and look at it or anything, but I'm pretty sure that she was, like, the main character, and I think I think my brain, like, stored enough to remember her face from that. Um, so that's a little, a little pop culture bridge for you there, in case she looked familiar to you as well. You, Andrew, or you, she the did listener. Look very familiar. I, I just kind of assumed that I had recognized her from other DCOMs, frankly. Mm. 
Yeah, I don't think she was really in any other ones, but she was on Psych. Oh. And speaking know? of other pop culture things. <laughs> All right, yep. Smooth, smooth, uh, smooth segue there. Um, Andrew, are you watching anything else? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, am I? Wow. Um, this, this episode, I'm going to recommend something on Netflix. Uh, something with two of my pe- two people that I have looked up to in like comedy and I think are so funny for the longest time and that is Middleditch and Schwartz uh, Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley um, and Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec he was John Ralphio um, House of Lies on Showtime uh, Sonic I never heard of him he goes real fast Amanda uh, is, is, he, is he the blue guy He's a hedgehog, yep. What? Opposite James Marsden. Oh, you're talking um, specifically no, about the movie, not not anything. Oh, but oh, he's yeah, in ben, the movie. Ben Schwartz. Yeah, Ben Schwartz is Sonic. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, Middleditch and Schwartz is three different long-form improv specials, um, and they're very, very funny to me. Um, again, I think part of it's because I followed specifically these two people. This is so niche, but um, College Humor... College Humor's, like, most successful web series was Jake and Amir, I think. Um, And they were both, like, big presences on that show. They were big, like, guest stars. And so even from, like, young, young middle school me, I followed Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch. And I'm so happy that they work together and they do this stuff. So I'm not an expert in improv more than you are. um, But I like it. You're an expert to me, Amanda, because you know more than I do. Anyone that knows more than I do is an expert. That's how it works. Uh, Amanda. Yes, sir. Do you have something to plug, something to recommend? Yeah, I'm going to plug two somethings. Um, one. No, no, no. Only one. Uh, 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 no, you can do You can do two. That's okay, phew. Gosh. Oh, I had anxiety there. Um, yeah, one thing that you listen to with your ears and one thing that you listen to well, you don't listen to, you, you take in with your eyes. Um, um, so confused already. Perfect. That's, that's how I like it. Um, I always want people to be confused when I'm talking. Um, great. So the thing with your eyes is a book called the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, it is, so it's by the same author as one of the first things I put in my queue for this podcast called Daisy Jones and the six was the original one that I talked about. Um, this one is also a period piece, um, and it ranges from the 50s to, I think, the 80s Hollywood. Um, I read an article that said that it was, this character is based partly on Liz Taylor, because she had several husbands mm-hmm. as well, okay. um, and then on another actress whose name I didn't know, but who, similar to the plot of the book, had somebody write her autobi- or write her, write her biography and then publish it after she had died. Um, and so it's the story of this actress's life. Um, there's kind of this mystery that's introduced about a third of the way into the book and you, I I couldn't put it down because I needed to know how that was going to end because there's a particular reason she picked this person to write her biography. And so you don't know until the end and blah, blah, blah. Um, very riveting, not as fabulous as Daisy Jones and the Six, but another great work of fiction by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And then my other recommendation, um, I looked up this artist's name to know how to pronounce it yesterday. She had a a whole YouTube video that she did about it. But 
um, the artist's name is MXM Tune, which is one word, T-O-O-N. Um, and it was a random Spotify recommendation that I don't normally pay attention to. Um, but I looked at her related artists and there were some that were familiar. So I said, you know what? Why not? And then I listened to this EP four times in one day. Um, absolutely love it. It's, um, she's got similar vibes to Dodie, if you've ever listened to her. Oh, um, I know Dodie, yeah. I think she's like 19 years old. So kind of young sounding, but just really cool, fun, like, not like, I, I, I don't know, kind of like power pose, like you go, but not, yeah. but not super, not like anthems, just kind of like cool, fun. Um, I cleaned my house while I listened, did those four listen throughs. Um, yeah, just really fun music. So it's, again, it's spelled, it's one word. It's M-X-M-T-O-O-N. M-X-M tune is how you say it out loud. Wow. Should you want to on a podcast. Ta-da. I love it. Yeah. Well, we reached the end yet again of an episode. Uh, I want to remind everyone again that if you want to tell us your thoughts on the movie or another movie that we have watched or a future movie um you can do that you can go to anchor.fm slash and you're watching uh and click the little button that says message and then you can leave us a little voice memo and then we may feature in a future episode tell us about the time that your personal private journal became a bestseller Ooh, yeah we want to know love it we should we should start issuing like challenges (gasps) challenges <gasps> or like specific things to ask for yes yeah okay well we'll, we'll prepare for that more in the future but that's for another well until then until then i'm andrew and i'm amanda another, another day, day another, another myrna, myrna.